Thank you for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of the Mile High Show. You're listening to episode number 218, and it is another treat for you. Guess what? You don't have to hear me. This is another exciting episode with Jim Sobo, founder and creator of the Howling Coyote Tour. He's got an update on some new stuff happening with the tour, his new upcoming show that's happening this week. And uh, he does all that with while he's sitting down with today's guests, Margo and Brian. Now, info on the tour is available at HowlingCoyoteTour.com. Uh, Margo and Brian are at Margo and Brian on Facebook. Also at MargoandBrian.com. So sit back, enjoy. Uh, Jim has a real knack for getting in, uh, getting in down and deep with uh, local musicians. So sit back and enjoy. Uh, don't forget to patronize Mark's Beer Garden. Uh, that is where Jim showcases his his friends and his talent. And uh, keep in mind, this episode, like all of ours, is brought to you by Big Daddy E's Barbecue in Chino Valley, Arizona. BDEBBQ.com is where you can find info. On uh, Eric Veneer and his staff and the great food over at Big Daddy E's Barbecue. So sit back, enjoy Jim Sobo, Margo and Brian talking Howling Coyote Tour. Thanks for tuning in. There is only we, but it can be hard. All right, so hello. This is Jim Sobo. I am hosting, um, I cannot tell you because I do not have my support system, Mr. Matt Santos here on which episode this is of the Mile High Show and the Howling Coyote Radio Hour. But welcome, welcome everyone out there in listener land. This is another episode of the Howling Coyote Tour or the Howling Coyote Radio Hour. My name is Jim Sobo, and this week is a very interesting episode. I am showcasing one act, and that's because it is a, a duo and this duo is very special because they actually love each other. Um, not just because of the music aspect, but because of their personal relationship. They are married. Is that correct? That's correct. And they are Margo and Brian. Welcome, Margo and Brian. Hi. Hi, Jim. Thanks Hi for there. having us, Jim. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting episode because we, since we only have one act... Um, there might be some role reversal going on, and they might be interviewing me as well later in the show, which would be interesting. It's the first time I've been interviewed on the Helen Coyote Radio Hour, and I will be performing as well, possibly. Uh, first time performing on the Helen Coyote Radio Hour. So do stick around for the next hour or so. We're going to be having some great conversation about music, and we're going to, even more importantly, we're going to be hearing a lot of live music because. No one wants to hear us talk and babble for an, an hour. That would be senseless and cruel. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the Howling Coyote Tour just to get the show kicked off for those that are new to the show. Again, my name is Jim Sobo, G-I-M-S-O-B-O, and I am the promoter and or organizer of the Howling Coyote Tour. What the Howling Coyote Tour is is a singer-songwriter showcase that is, comes out of Prescott, Arizona, that showcases artists from throughout Arizona into the San Francisco Bay Area every single year for the last 14 years. This last summer was my 14th tour, and this year we'll be doing a winter tour in the Bay Area. Most of the shows you will find 
You can go to HowlingCoyoteTour.com. Most of the shows that I book are in the North Bay, somewhere between Marin County and Sonoma County. So do check out whatever shows we've got coming up. And uh, I'm trying to get these guys to come on the next summer tour, so we'll see about that. Uh, and that's, so that, that's what we do. We usually get a little bit of performance time on KRSH or on some of the old, other local radio stations that are up in that area. And we also have uh, been blessed and fortunate to have the Bohemian and the Pacific Sun do articles about the tour over the years, which are two great publications in that part of the world. So we're going to go ahead, and now that you know what the Helen Coyote Tour is, the Helen Coyote Radio Hour was established approximately about a year ago, where I bring, um, I do the show locally here in Prescott, Arizona. It's not Prescott, it's Prescott, like biscuit or brisket, because that's the part of the country that we're in right here. We're about 6,000 feet up in Prescott, up in the mountains, a gorgeous area. We've got forests, we've got lakes. When you think of Arizona, you don't think of anything that looks anywhere close to Prescott or Flagstaff, which is 8,000 feet up. And um, I've uh, lived here most of uh, my daughter's life. I've raised her here and took care of my ma for here for many, many years. And this is where I get to have Helen Coyote Radio Hour headquarters and the Helen Coyote Tour headquarters where I go throughout the state and check out various artists to try to bring into the North Bay um, to expose them to a larger audience base, a larger resource base, and what I feel, as far as acoustic singer-songwriter um, areas in the country, very supportive of, of folks that write original music and play acoustic or you know, do that type of a scene, very roots rock er, er, area. So um, we here uh, today are going to be interviewing Margot and Brian, and uh, Margo and Brian, I guess the first obvious question to ask is, uh, I want to talk to you both individually, and then we'll talk to you collectively, and ladies first, of course, I try to be a gentleman. Um, Margo, you are from where? I, I know it's hard to believe because I have no accent no at accent. all, but I'm from Russia originally. <laughs> now, when you say Russia, the concept of Russia from a North American standpoint, what is Russia? There's various countries within Russia, various districts and areas. Um, be more specific. So, yeah, there are lots of um, regions, I guess. It can, we can, uh, here in the States, it can be probably related as states, you know. And uh, But I'm from very, very west of Russia. I'm from the region which is actually separated from the mainland. It's called Kaliningrad. Not Leningrad, like most people hear me saying, yeah. but Kaliningrad. And um, it's a little piece of Russia that is, uh, that is located between Poland and Lithuania, right on the Baltic Sea. So Beautiful, yeah, it's very yeah. interesting um, European uh, piece of Russia. It's some kind of like area... In between, you know, Russian culture and European culture. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, my apparently, it's hard to say these days when you do Ancestry.com as Northern Americans, uh, but apparently I am part Lithuanian. I think I'm a quarter Lithuanian. And I've looked at the country and I've had folks that have sent me pictures when they've gone traveling there. 
and it looks very dramatic. Uh, you know, you've got cliffs and ocean and, you know, you think about Dracula and stuff like that, but that, that would be more hungry and more, um, uh, where did Dracula come from? Transylvania. Transylvania, right. R- Romania, probably. R- Romania, right. And I apparently I have a lot of Ro- Romanian in me and Hungarian as well and German. So I'm just, uh, I'm not too removed from, from uh, Kaliningrad. Is that right? Kaliningrad. 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 Four syllables, Kaliningrad. I guess. Okay, not Kaliningrad. That would be a whole other different grad. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a different city. Yeah, that's a whole other state of mind in a different city. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful. So um, tell me about your upbringing there and... Um, uh, how did music come into your life? Did music come into your life recently or did it come into your life early on when, when you were a, a, a child? Uh, I guess uh, early on because my mother is actually a music teacher. Uh, so I was influenced by her and yeah, I sang most of my life. Like probably my first my first concert was when I was six years old. And uh, when I was six, also I started um, I started studying piano in music school. So I guess it was just it was just my uh, it was just you know the sphere in which I was growing up. It was just always around. It's hard to even like define when it started because it was. It, now it seems that it's always been there. Yeah. No, it sounds like it's always been there. It's always been part of your consciousness. So even when you were very very young you heard music being played. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very different from um music culture here I guess. It's uh more about classical music because classical. you know when I was studying piano it's hours and hours of this classical pieces <laughs> and all of that. But also I was doing lots of uh singing and singing in a choir and singing in uh, vocal uh groups and then eventually eventually in different bands. So when you were singing, um, that wasn't classical. No. What no. what style of music would you call that? Folk or? I guess pop. Pop, okay. Pop mostly. Okay. Yeah, I, I came from pop. <laughs> Somewhere intersection between pop and classical, you know, and now I'm trying to play jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's great how as we grow as, as artists and our, our influences change and our likes and dislikes change, um, that's the great thing about music is it's an open field. There is no, no rules. Uh, okay. And, um, my next question would be, is you started out playing piano and now at least when we see you perform live, what is the instrument that you play now? Um, this instrument is called melodica. A melodica. Or it's, it's also known as melodion or pianica. I guess it all depends on the... On the brand. Okay, yeah. <laughs> on the manufacturer, possibly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, it's actually a recent addition to our uh, performance. We used to just do very simple thing. I was singing and Brian would play the guitar. Mm. And then we started exploring. And yeah, now I like this instrument. It's kind of this little piano that is easy to take with you and... Um, it has interesting sound. People get really curious about it. Yeah. I actually, that's one of the reasons I, I want to showcase you, both in Northern California and here. 
Uh, and we, we do the show here locally monthly and we do the podcast monthly is because of that is an incredible instrument. Um, it is a very distinguishable instrument. It is a very different instrument that you don't hear people playing live very often. And I think it, it separates and distinguishes you from a lot of other acts and a lot of other duos the first time I was exposed to that instrument was when I first started to listen to Amy Mann. Uh, Amy Mann uh, is produced by John Bryan, or was, and John Bryan loves to use these classic, quirky instruments in, in the studio, like the melodica and the melodium and, and the harmonium and you know things that kind of came out in the 60s and 70s that people were screwing around with, you know, trying to find different sounds before the actual synthesizer came came out. And that's just one of those incredible instruments that you don't ever get to see. And the fact that you play it as beautifully as you do with the wonderful voice that you have, and everyone's going to get to hear that very, very soon, um, I think it's very distinguishable. And not that your guys are any, it would be any less of a, the songs in their translation would be any less without the instrument, but that's initially what, what drew me to you and kind of fascinated me to, to, to you. Um, and so was it difficult for you to, uh, to learn that instrument? Uh, no, actually, well, I guess it's getting more and more exciting, more I play it, but uh, just I guess my experience with piano made it easy to pick up. And then it's also a wind instrument. So it's somewhere in between piano and voice. And I can do vibrato with it and all of that cool stuff and yeah. change dynamics. Uh, it's something that makes it a little bit more... Uh, it's just different than piano. Yeah. It's just its own thing. You're, you're absolutely right. It is. It's a wind instrument and a piano instrument mm -hmm. at the same time. People don't really think about that. And you're using your diaphragm a lot to be able to, to support that. Beautiful. Um, did you... I just said, um, I told myself I would never say, um, when I'm interviewing people. Uh Oh yeah. Um, that's $5. Um, um, did you start to write your own music or, or play your own music before you met uh, Brian or, you know, actually I think meeting Brian was a big inspir inspiration for me to, um, be comfortable with exposing my music and my poetry and all of that because I was writing most of my life, but there are just a few songs probably that actually uh, that I actually played for people. And then when I met Brian, it was like one of the things that made it special between us that we're like yeah let's write music we want to like we don't want to play some you know covers even though there's nothing wrong about playing covers we enjoy it too but we're like yeah let's write songs it sounds amazing so yeah and we started writing songs yeah uh the transfer from writing in a bedroom or writing at home to playing live and performing live that's why they call it a performance art it's a whole other aspect of the art form and recording as well is a whole other aspect of the art form. A lot of performers 
obviously they will write first and they'll work everything out with lyrically and with the song craft and with the composition and structure. And then they will, and that will change over time, whether or not they like the original lyrics or the original song composition. And then sometimes they'll record and then play live or sometimes they'll play live and then record or so there really are no rules but all three are definitely different aspects and different qualities uh, and skill levels and skill sets to have with each of those and you guys have done all, all three of those now before we continue I think I should introduce the other half of uh, the combo here hello Brian hi now, this is the man behind the woman, uh, Brian. So now let's talk about you and your childhood and how you were introduced. You, now, you play at least a couple instruments, right? I do. You um, do? Primarily guitar, but I also play the bass. It's, for me, an easy translation, just the first four strings of the guitar. So that's right. not a big deal. Um, but a different approach. And I also play drums. I can't say I play the piano, although I studied it in college. Can't remember a thing about it, except for scales, and it did kind of influence my guitar style, though. Yeah, most bass players, being that it's almost like a lead instrument, you're, you're playing notes, yeah. I would say can make that transition into playing a guitar or guitar chords relatively easily. I would say that I would like to think that a lot of bass players... Um, not are more talented than guitar players, but they have a better understanding about scales at, at, at the very least. Seems like you kind of have to know a little bit about scales to pick up a bass. Right. Can't just thump away. Right. <laughs> well, you can. Who says you can't? Right. You'll be, you'll be a professional. You'll be super pro if you got some scales. So were you in uh, uh, formal training as well, or was it, did you just kind of pick things up? I had lessons. I had a bunch of teachers here in town. My first teacher was Terry Furlong. He's a local dude. Um, maybe some of the listeners know him. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. Man, thank you. <laughs> and then I studied with Ed Carter, another local guy who got me more into the jazz flavor. Um, taught me how to read music and approach the guitar um, more chordally jazz wise and then there was drew hall who's the man in town here hey drew hey drew <laughs> hey drew everybody loves drew yeah drew's yeah. drew's touched all yeah, of drew's, this town drew's like uh that what six degrees of separation basically right everybody knows drew and yeah. Drew's affected so many different people around here he has affected everyone um i've also studied with jack peterson local jazz guy but he's man he's set up Guitar, jazz guitar programs in universities like all over the country. Berkeley College of Music in Boston. He started that guitar program. We're very fortunate here in Arizona. We've we've inherited a lot of musical wealth because it's a retirement state. So we've gotten a lot of retired jazz and blues artists that have come here um, that reside. That's my second um. Uh-oh. That reside. Now it's ten dollars. Ten dollar. Uh, that reside in in the Phoenix and Scottsdale area. It, if you go to, there's a VA down there that that um, the got uh, Joey 
not Francesco, but uh, he was a protege of Jimmy Smith on the organ, organ jazz, B3 organ jazz. And uh, Jimmy Smith used to play a lot at that VA, and now Joey uh, might play there, but he was definitely influenced by, by Jimmy. So we get... We get folks like that, that. We get those folks. Yeah, that come here to retire because it's a great place to, to do so. And we get these amazing artists that, that come here from all over the country. Something about the desert, man. And this is not exactly desert. It's like a high desert. So we yeah, got, we're up here about 5,800 feet. So We got lots of different vegetation. We do. Stuff. We it's got beautiful. javelinas and jackrabbits and roadrunners and yeah. all these crazy animals, deer. Russians. <laughs> <laughs> and last shout out on the teacher topic my um i guess my uh a big influence for me was he, the man heath krieger he's hey, a local heath. yeah hey. hey heath i don't know if he's gonna be listening to this he just he just makes pots no no no. that's not just what he does but that's his that's his career he's a 50 year potter master potter wow yeah and so he taught jazz improvisation to me and half of town and in a lot of the town, yeah, but with the approach of art um, and how how to develop style using basic building blocks. And he plays a saxophone, so I had to know a little bit about theory, so all my other teachers kind of gave me a bump with scales and theory and whatnot to, to get to that point. So thanks, everybody. Beautiful. And when did you start to play and kind of separate... When did you jump off that musical cliff and start to create your own sound or your own music? Uh, well, you know, when I was 12, I had a garage band and I I wrote some songs for that, just instrumental jams, basically, just jam band thing for the garage. But I got into jazz when I was 14 and I don't think I wrote any songs, maybe some jazz songs when I was in the ballpark of 20 or 21. I don't think they really stuck. But um, songwriting-wise was after I graduated from college. I went to school for jazz performance, and I, I felt like I was way too inside the jazz brain to 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 let anything else in for a while. Yes. You know? No, you have to be. You have to completely dive in wholeheartedly. Yeah. but But after that time, I... I relearned how to rock. I'm still relearning how to rock. <laughs> Where'd you go to, to jazz school? New Jersey. Oh, really? There's a school in northern New Jersey called William Patterson University. Wow. And it's... Um, Joyzy. It, yeah, Joyzy is an interesting place. It is. Because it's like... It's very rural, actually. It can be. Yeah. I was in the, the non-rural part of it, which is close to Manhattan. Oh, beautiful. You can see Manhattan from my yeah. campus. Mm-hmm. And so basically it was just another borough of New York. That's how my, that's my sense of it. But a lot of the professors there were jazz musicians from the city who just, you know, they'd take a bus over to campus once a week. And so I got to learn from, you know, New York City pros. So that was cool just to be around that environment. Wow. That's jazz. That's jazz. Right? It's the people. Yeah. There's different kinds of jazz throughout the country. There's... Nolens, jazz, and that's got a little bit more of a funk to it. Yeah. And there's New York jazz, which is definitely like hard, straight up, you know, more 
straight no chaser kind of jazz. It's cutthroat. Yeah. It's cutthroat jazz. And then jazz. there's West Coast jazz. Yeah. Which is a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chill, you know. It's, it's what happened when jazz from New York found the beach. Right, in exactly. <laughs> they weren't quite as pissed off, you know, didn't, uh, <laughs> weren't quite as stressed out, you know. Yeah. Basically. Beautiful. Beautiful. So um, after you got your e- education, you came back. And let's fast forward a little bit. Did you have a project here in in Prescott before you met Margot or kind of just freelancing really? Okay. I played in a duo, trumpet guitar duo. Um and we played in a bunch of the bars and lounges and restaurants around town. Um but yeah, not nothing too permanent or focused or focused well it it was pretty focused was it it was i was it i was into it it was with troy skilperor him and i Mm -hmm. back when he played trumpet Mm -hmm. hey troy hi troy hey troy's doing a lot now but we had a yeah he's doing a lot um now he plays the the keyboard he does hell of a keyboard and he's only been playing keyboard for a couple years now apparently right uh i get diving into it yeah Yeah. i think it's always been a part of his thing but diving into it yeah he's 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 all in now but we had we had that duo and so it was kind of a focused thing but my goal was to travel more so sorry troy we i had to move on (laughs) (laughs) okay and now i believe is is a appropriate a juncture for us to talk about how Margot and Brian met. How did we meet Margot? It was a magic. <laughs> oh my God, that was sexy. So, anyways, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Anything she says, it was a magic. Accent. Well, accent. Yeah, I know, I know. People get cute. People think it's cute, but anyways. So, um, I guess what year was it? It was 2015, 15. and. Yeah, at that point, I was back in Russia. I had my project. I was I was playing actually in a metal band then. <laughs> so this, really? Yeah, I was playing the metal band. I had a job. And, and when you I were had, singing? Yeah, yeah. So you can scream? Well, you know, I'm actually yes, trying to beat these habits now. Because, um, yeah, I guess... You're actually trying to use your diaphragm and your voice instead of just uh, screaming. Uh, you know, using diaphragm can be... Diaphragm can be used for screaming and that's for, true. That's like very di- true. Yeah, you kind of have to. Ronnie use James Dio will will tell you that uh, you know to do like metal or you know hard rock. It, believe me, I tried. I I wasn't playing a hard rock band, but I did have a band called Common Ground. We had to change our name to Edgar. Oh, okay. Nobody in the band was named Edgar. We thought that was cute. Yeah, that's cute. Um, yeah, very so so cute. Yeah, uh, and that was more around the time that Dave Matthews came out, and we were trying to be like kind of what they called album alternative then, adult album alternative. It was a triple A format, okay, on radios, and so it's really funky band. Yeah, but cool. I had to because I was uh, in front of a band, even though I was more of really a folk pop, um, soft rock singer. I had to build those chops to get out there and try to at least get my voice as loud as the rest of the instruments, which any singer who plays with a full band, let alone a metal band or a hard rock band, um, just what a challenge that is. is. You know, you really need to build that skill level 
and the confidence level. And, and in-ear monitors. Yeah. In-ear <laughs> monitors. Yeah, you can't do without them. <laughs> yeah, just get over the drums. But man, we got to show you Margo's old metal band. There's some YouTube videos about that. Oh, man. It was fun time. What was the name? The name is Ghost Hill. Ghost Hill? Ghost Hill, one word, yeah. Okay, uh, like ghost, like woo. Like, like spooky. Like ghost what Hill. we were talking okay. about with Transylvania. That's oh, kind, yeah. of, kind of ghost. Very yeah. good, okay. Yeah, and hill ghost like. And hill like hill. in Arizona. Like All right, so mountain. Margo, please please continue about how you guys how you guys. Yeah, met. let's let's uh, stay with the topic. <laughs> so anyways, I was living my life, you know, doing my thing. And then, and then I got an offer to join a cruise ship from... Um, from musicians, uh, fellow musicians uh, in my hometown. Uh, yeah, and I was like, ooh, that actually sounds pretty good. And uh, interestingly enough, like maybe a couple of years until it, uh, before it happened, I was looking into it. I was like, wow, working on a cruise ship sounds really interesting, traveling and making money and meeting people. Same. So anyways, and uh, I was like, Wow, that's that's so interesting that life turned around and three years later I got this offer, you know, on my table. And the moment that I, I was, I was, um, this uh, offer was given to me by this guitarist I was working with in one of the venues in my hometown. And the moment he told me about it, I was like, heck yeah, like that sounds amazing, I want to do it. Then the next morning I talked to my parents about it and my mom was like, well... Of course I would say no, but will you listen to me? <laughs> and this way I found myself on a cruise ship in a quartet. We were playing lounge music. We were playing jazz and ballroom. And yeah. And, covers. And, you, and, you, and you were singing. And I was a singer yes. in this band, yeah. So, yeah. First, uh, first I did a contract in Caribbean and uh, North America. Alaska, then I went home for four months, and then my second contract, I joined the ship, and Brian was on on the on the ship. The same ship. Yep. You know, you you took a four month vacation, went home, came yep. back, and that time I got a contract, and I was already there for two months, and then you came back, and 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 I thought when Margot came back on, I, she scared me. She scared me. I. I thought there was no way that I could do anything that would interest her or make her of course not notice me. Yeah, no, of course not. You're just this little peon or something. Yeah, I just you know. Yeah, we put them up on a pedestal. Yeah, exotic. It's just, it's just what we do. Women. Yeah. Of of Russia. <laughs> they are and so, exotic. So Brian, you you were there contracted as as well. You were you were performing. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I had a job in the theater band, so we were working with the guest entertainers who came on board. Oh. They'd give us a, a folder of their music, and we'd have to more or less sight-read it, but with a rehearsal in the afternoon. Interesting. Interesting. He was a wizard. He was like, whew. Yeah, that, that's how it all started. He started. That's amazing. Well, I think, I think we're at a point now, and I think the dogs are uh, in, in agreement that it's time to listen to some live music. Now that we've heard this great backstory, we need to hear what you guys sound like. Okay. All right. So hey, we're look, gonna, my guitar. We're going to uh, go ahead and take a small break, and we'll be right back with uh, some live music from Margot and Brian. Yay. 
All right. So now you get to, after that tremendous backstory and the romance, and we're on a cruise ship, and they met this beautiful woman, short blonde hair from Russia, from Kaliningrad. You got it. Oh, thank you. And this fine young man from Prescott, Arizona. From Prescott. Ow. Okay, and, and my God, you actually got to walk up to her, and you got the guts to pull this off, and... So with that tremendous backstory, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Margot and Brian. One, two, three, four. Tell me Maybe there's something that I've missed Maybe I'm just tripping Maybe I'm just dreaming Hey, I'm just wondering What is the meaning of this word? Maybe I'm just stupid Can you tell me the truth? something there is something I don't know I think we need teachers who can teach us something hey are you eager there is something we can learn just take a look around us can you tell me the truth who is named they There is only we, but it can be hard to see. Written in invisible ink. get it we all just dream in one big dream all together sleeping let's just all admit it it's all right now maybe we just can't wake up yet maybe we're just tripping let's discover the truth there is no day only we but it can be hard to see let's discover the truth who is name they there is no they <laughs> 
there is only we But it can be hard to see Written in invisible ink mess up the words. I wrote the song, but I can never remember the words. Don't tell people that because nobody knows. Okay, okay. Now they know. <laughs> Oops. Oops. You're outing yourself. No, it's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I think vulnerability is a good part of our music. <laughs> All right, let's hear another song. All or right. wait, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me get a little beer here. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing going on here. <laughs> Completely innocent. All right, I got to tune down to drop D. Give me one second. So if you're just tuning in, this is the Howling Coyote Tour Radio Hour, the Howling Coyote Radio Hour here in Prescott, Arizona. This week we are showcasing Margo and Brian. And do stick around. There's going to be a lot more live music and fun to be had. And the next show featuring Marco and Brian, I'm sorry, Margo and Brian, will be on Friday the 18th of October at March Beer Garden between 6 and 9 p.m. So do come down if you happen to be in Prescott, Arizona. But it's not to look You can see the room without a room But it's not to see or to know The space is everywhere And it's everything You can't have it but you know it's there Or maybe you don't Who knows 
sound you hear you feel there's no difference there's no beat but baby that's a groove like you've never felt or can feel Once you think you're there, then you leave the space But when you were there, you knew the truth You were never there, only space Space without a face, space without a face 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 Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face. Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face. Look into the space, but it's not to look You can see the room without a room But it's not to see or to know The space is everywhere and it's everything You can't have it, but you know it's there Or maybe you don't, who knows? The sound you hear, you feel, there's no difference, there's no beat, but baby, that's a groove like you've never felt or can feel. Once you think you're there, then you leave the space, but when you were there, you knew the truth, you were never there, only space. Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face. Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face. Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face. Space without a face, space without a face, space without a face, space without a face.
ラダラドゥラディラダラドゥラディラダラドゥラディラダラドゥラディラダラドゥラディラダラドゥラディラダラ Wow. Now you guys know why I want to showcase them. Did you just hear that? I did. I'm beside myself with joy and pleasure. Thank you guys so much. That was amazing. Thank you, Jim. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you guys get resituated and we'll be back in just a sec. Again, incredible performances there by Margo and Brian. <laughs> and just for a quick plug, where do people go to check out the music? Yeah, we got that available online. And you can find us at www.margoandbrian.com. Simple as that. And, and Margo is spelled without a T. M A R G O. Yes. That's my name. And Brian is spelled with an I. And we just recently released an album. Two months ago only. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. It's pretty fresh, and we are excited to share it with people. So, guys, please. Go to our website. It's all valuable there.、We're、Do you know where,、uh, where that album is being s- or listened to right now and what platforms? Or is it on Apple Music or、uh, Amazon? You know, all of those places. Exactly. It's on all of them. Okay. It's so them, easy right. to distribute right. everything all、right. at once these days. Digitally. So it's、right. on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon. And then、I'm, I think there's a bunch of other small listening platforms. Streaming services, it's on them too. I'm pretty sure. Pandora? It's, I don't think it's on Pandora. Pa- it is, is it? on Pandora. Oh, okay. Now I have another even, thing to tell right, my friends. Even Margot was surprised by I that. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I took care of it. The incredible Margot was even surprised by that. Well, you know, in Russia, we don't use Pandora. Music just downloads to our computers on itself. Yeah, because it's evil. <laughs> so you want to find our music, you go to the website, and they're linked to everything Spotify, Apple Music, Google, Amazon, whatever you like. That big brain of yours, Brian, I swear, right? That's, that's why, how you dove into that, right? You're like, what the heck is this guy? I don't know how he does Russian accent better than me. I live amongst the common people. I know, I've be, I been to Motherland. <laughs> I tell you the secret to the、uh, Russian accent. Misery is the misery and suffering. It is ours. It, we own the misery. It's pliable, it's tangible. It is something that we own and love in our misery. Yes, exactly. First step for Russian accent is sadness. <laughs> and the second step is don't open mouth.、Just、and I, I only learned that from watching、uh, Robin Williams in Moscow on, on, on the Hudson. Is that you, you own your misery? It is your misery. You, you,、uh, yeah. Which is, we all are suffering in some way, so we relate. Okay, let's move on to music and happiness. Yes. Now, we're going to do something interesting we've never done on the show before, just to kind of break it up a little bit. Usually, again, I have a third act. I do not this time. So, we're going to do a little role reversal here. And the interviewees are going to interview the interviewer. Hello, welcome to the Howling Coyote Radio Tour. Radio Hour. Radio Hour, yes. 
My name is Brian Messenger with my co-host Margarita Messenger. Hi everybody, this is Margot Messenger, also known as Margarita Messenger. And yeah, we're taking over. We're going to interview this guy. All right. And today's program is brought to you by Espelon Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Espelon. And Drink up. um and Montucky Cold Snap from Montana. Yes, our our lovely sponsors for the evening. <laughs> and we're here today with Mr. Jim Sobo, the man who does everything. S O B O, right? That's correct. I believe it was originally Zabo. Zabo. So S Z A B O, a lot of Zabos in hung- Hungary, I believe, mm-hmm. and R- Romania. Half of them are from the from the Jewish faith, and the other half are from the Christian faith. Okay, okay. That's an interesting background. Okay, I got the first question today. All right. So, Jim, tell us, please, what inspired you to create this movement, to create this uh, Howlin' Coyote tour? What inspired you to uh, take this initiative and make it all happen? Tell Good us about question. it. Good question. Great question. So, there's an establishment that used to be here in the history of Prescott, Arizona, called Coyote Joe's. And Coyote Joe's was when I first moved here about 20 years ago with my daughter and my mom to uh, seek out a better life after having a band in LA and doing the whole LA music industry thing. Sounds terrible. Oh, it was. (laughs) I did place a small, very small song into a very small film called uh, The Father and the Son. Or no, Mafioso, The Father and the Son. It was a straight to DVD film. And so I made enough money from um, basically getting that placed through publishing to get the family moved out here. My mom had recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and my daughter had just been born about six months prior, and we had been coming here uh, from time to time to visit other family and just fell in love with the area. A lot less crime, a lot less pollution, a lot less traffic and corruption stealing of souls, you know, stuff like that in regards to the Los Angeles music industry. And uh, so I I moved the family here to get out of the industry, had a wonderful band in L.A. called Common Ground. There was a much more successful Common Ground, so we had to change our name to uh, Edgar. You can find probably either of those on YouTube. If you put in Jim Sobo Common Ground or Jim Sobo Ed, Edgar, great, great, great band, very funky. And so moved to Prescott, and one of the first spots I went to to check out live music was Coyote Joe's. And Coyote Joe's has this beautiful outdoor stage, probably the most beautiful outdoor stage in all of Prescott as far as I'm I'm concerned. It's a good one. It's a good one. It was built by fellow musicians, some of them. Uh, and just beautiful. It's held up by tree stumps and just looks really funky and cool. And Prescott in the summer is just so, so gorgeous and spring and actually most times of the year. Actually all year round pretty much. Yeah, we have change of, of seasons here. We get, we get snow. It happens here. It does. Snow happens. So I was there and on a Monday night there was a gentleman named Mr. Michael Lewis. Hello, Michael. Hey, Mike. He. Hi hosted a singer-songwriter night there. And it was to 
basically to advocate and support original singer-songwriters. So it wasn't your usual open mic. And I was very drawn to it. What else are you going to do on a Monday night? And how brave of him to do anything on a Monday night. And so I went down there almost religiously every Monday and started checking out a lot of the local artists and local singer-songwriters. And I was just, my jaw just dropped at, at the talent around here. I don't know what it is about Prescott or how it is that I've been able to keep up this tour for the last, it's a singer-songwriter showcase tour for the last 14 years, but there's that much talent that I'm able to bring almost different people almost every single year to the San Francisco Bay Area. And so when I checked out folks at Coyote Joe's, um, there's a light bulb that went off and it's called Coyote Joe's. And I thought of coyotes and what do coyotes do but howl. That's pretty much it. Yeah, so that's the Howling Coyote Tour. Wow. And so what year was that again? 14 years ago, correct? Uh, yeah, 14 years wow. ago, yeah. So I miss Kojo's. Yes. Changed names like what? Yeah, there's been a lot of other establishments in that space, and I don't think any venue has utilized the space as well as Coyote Joe's did back then. Uh, they had live music there just constantly. They did. Two bands a night downstairs, out back, and upstairs, right? Yeah, they had an upstairs during the winter time. Yeah, tremendous venue. Any artist, it still exists now. Now it's called Rickety Cricket. It's a microbrewery here in town. Good beers there. And good beers, good food. Dude's Food took it over. This gentleman that used to have a, a food truck here in town decided to cash in the food truck and open up a restaurant, thank God, because it's amazing food. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it's still, it's still a great venue and for anyone that's listening out there that wants to play there during the seasons when you can play there when it's not too cold outside i definitely give them a call because it's it's absolutely worth it it's a beautiful performance space so kojo's was the original inspiration for the howling coyote tour that is correct howling coyotes oh. that's what we are and when did you, when did you <laughs> when did you expand into the the radio program when did that kick off well, it was the last thing on my bucket list. I had been uh, been playing music since I was about 15 or 16, self-taught, and just kind of, the voice always came very naturally. I was in choirs and madrigals. I did all of that. But to struggle and find the chords that would match the melodies that were going on in my head. And I was always writing music, actually but just never knew how to actually write it on an instrument. So when I finally got into bands and stuff like that, I was able to work all of that out. So that was I checked that one off, uh, continued and have continued to write and sing since then. And I was a district manager at one point. I was a sous chef and got into corporate catering. I catered the OJ trial because I was hired away from a catering company to the law firm that housed Robert Shapiro at, at that time. Jeez. And in, I love culinary arts. I love it to this day. I cook all all the time. I feel like it's a strong art that's equal to every other art and influences us in so many different ways. For sure. So check that off. And then I um, became a culinary arts teacher at East LA High and Hollywood High and here in Arizona in Ash Fork. For of three, all places. For three years, I was a culinary arts teacher with the Ash Fork Joint Unified School District. 
And so I checked that off as far as being an educator. And then I became a vocational rehabilitation counselor where I help uh, using my management background and my educational background, I'm able to help disabled individuals with physical disabilities and behavioral health um, be able to move on in their lives and develop skills and have an advocate and, and a, a support system. And that's been a blessing as well. And the only other thing that I wanted to do was broadcasting. And then uh, I approached some local radio, and I've known a gentleman named Matt Santos. Matt Santos has the Howling, I'm sorry, <laughs> has the milehighshow.com, and he does podcasts, has been doing podcasts for many, many years. Incredibly talented photographer, stand-up comic in our community, and has had the, the podcast in the stream. And I approached Matt, and he allowed me, he honored me with, this podcast. So and now this is, this is it. Now I'm done. I, I'm happy. I'm whole and I can just go into the sunset. Contentment. Contentment. Yay. Complete contentment. Only took me 55 years. <laughs> How do you say that in Russian? In Russia, you don't get content. You, you don't, I was just going to say that. <laughs> there is no such word in Russian. Are you kidding me? Again, suffering, misery. Okay. So, so where does um, where does your songwriting play into all this? You've got all these angles of 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 business and projects and promotional work in your life. Where does songwriting um, fit into all this? To be a musician, a modern day musician, I found, unfortunately. Even starting in San Francisco, when I lived in San Francisco for a few years, I had a very small project. It was bongos. It was a harmonica. It was myself and a bass player. And we called ourselves Plain and Simple. We were in San Francisco for about four or five years. You have to have, you have to wear more than one hat. You can't just be the blissful songwriter just living in your art and, you know, uh, luxuriating in your art. So, of course, I had to be the businessman. So I pulled from, at that time, I was uh, very, very young. I lived in San Francisco back in my um, late 20s, early 30s, and really didn't have a lot of business experience at that point but i knew that if i was going to be the leader of a band or a leader of a project that this was something that was necessary this is way before the internet came into play this was just recording and going and dropping off an actual press kit not an electronic press kit and just beating the pavement and and sweating it out and having the balls enough to be able to go to these venues in the San Francisco Bay Area and prove that we were an act that was worthy of of showtime. Did you use cassettes then? Or was it the age <laughs> of vinyl? Or <laughs> I brought in a half-inch tape, actually. It was yeah. <laughs> LPs, actually. We brought in LPs. Uh, Old school. I think, I think even in the late 80s, early 90s, I think CDs had just hit, hit the scene at, at that point. Okay, CDs were a thing. But that's a valid question. <laughs> uh, so yeah so um, 
you, I had to develop that skill set to be able to wear all of those hats and be all of those people and to not just be the artist and luxuriate in being the artist, but go out and know how to represent the act and know how to have decent communication skills and be confident and, uh, you know, put together a decent press kit and what, what a decent press kit looks like with a photo and all of those things that. Okay. And, and, all that probably feeds into songwriting somehow, right? There's got to be a balance between the business end and the creative end. And I've heard your stuff before. I've heard you around town. You write some nice songs. You're quite a player. So what what's going on in the creative life of Jim Sobo these days? So the songwriting came from the admiration of listening to... Um, AM radio. AM radio is for me where it all started. Uh, in those days, it was a lot of soft rock and pop, not the kind of pop that they play now. This is, was basically in the 1970s. There was a station called KHJ that I used to listen to, AM radio, and they were breaking acts like Ambrosia and the Jackson 5 and uh, Andrew Gold and Billy Joel and Paul Simon and you know it was just all being just fed into my little mind at that point and I was a little skater and surfer and I was just just even though everybody else was listening to hard rock I was really digging like 10cc and all these really quirky odd pop am radio uh, acts and so that just got part of my uh, my subconscious and that was the kind of music that I'll Often the folks that you're influenced by and the folks that that you sing along with in the shower or wherever you're writing music, that's the music that you want to sound like. So that's pretty much where it all sprang from. And in those days, there was a great discipline and a great corral of James Taylor's Paul Simons, Billy Joel's, Elton John's, that were Cat Stevens, that were doing just that. They were writing their own songs. They were singing their own songs. They were playing their own songs. They could do it with a band or they could do it by themselves. And that was ingrained into me that this was a discipline of an art form that I aspired to. So I've always tried lyrically and musically to get to a point or standard of that type of songwriting that it's you're communicating a part of your soul and it's a good enough song that it can be rearranged into any type of format country punk metal jazz blues a good solid song in its structure can translate into any type of uh, music so that's what i always aspire to and i still too to this day I still have that hunger to write a better song or to be the best songwriter that I possibly can. Right. The genre is kind of the clothing for the song underneath, right? Right. And you know, I think what folks that aren't musicians don't understand about the industry is that a good songwriter, whether it's a Carol King that was in publishing for a long time, um, that they, they, their songs, they, you could arrange those in any different way and have them be solid because of the structure of, of the song. It's kind of what Margo and I are doing these days. We'll write a song and we'll 
put it into all different styles, keep it fresh. When we recorded our album, I listened to that song the same way for about five months straight as I was mixing the thing. And so you can imagine that we were looking for a change, or at least I was. Um, so we, you know, you try it out in a lot of different ways. I think we tried some of Margot's songs in a reggae feel. That's pretty fun. It's nice to see uh, how a song can be uh, expressed in many different ways. Yeah, there was this song that was lyrical, ballad, pretty much. And then we reestablished our approach to the song. And now it's like reggae-ish tune. So yeah, I like to say that there is there are no bad styles of music. You know, there are just you know, there is bad music, but there are no bad styles. And if you if the core well, there's, of it, there's I think there are not for me to say, but there are some songs that aren't as strong as other songs. Definitely. For sure. In any of those genres. So all of those genre all of those genres have exceptional songwriters in each of the of, of the genres. Um, and some aren't quite as exceptional. You know what's a hard question? When someone asks you, what kind of music do you play? What or, style of music do you play? Or what style? Yeah, what, what, what kind? That puzzles me. What kind of music do you like? And that's, that's, that's a really hard question. Do you get that too? Oh gosh, just good music. Just good music. Something tasty. Just give me something tasty, right? Yeah. Give me a good song with and good musicianship. as far as like what kind of you know, I guess I would call myself an acoustic singer-songwriter. I, there's nothing I enjoy more than playing solo because of that discipline. Because I want to prove that I can stand out there, one person, one instrument, one song, one voice, original, originally composed with some thought and some work and some blood and sweat that's been poured into it. And I'm getting it out there. It's like a working man's ethic uh, kind of a thing. I've done the the band thing, and this is where I am now. This is my my comfort level now. It takes courage to just you know get up there and expose yourself. Pretty much, songwriting is a very vulnerable thing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that's why I do the singer songwriter showcase, and that's why I love it so much. Because not, when I'm done with my set, I've got two other acts who I am personally a fan of. So just like that recording that we just did of your music, I just had you guys play live in the studio here. It was fantastic. I got to listen to that. I got to watch that. I had my own little little private concert. It was amazing. And I'm a huge fan of the folks that I, I'm personally inspired by. So it's, it's a great concept. I, you know, ask anybody that's been on the Helen Coyote tour, we all just sit and smile and watch each other play when we're off stage. And as the tour goes on, it becomes so... Um, it becomes its own animal in the fact that we all start collaborating with each other and, and maybe singing with each other and maybe even writing songs with each other. Cause when you're on the road, it's very intimate. You're all sharing a space. And so it's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's mutually beneficial. Three bands become one band <laughs> or three. Yeah. Three separate acts become very influenced by each other and very inspired by each other. And you start to kind of join each other's join each other's consciousness. All right. I'm, I'm going to play a song very quickly here. Yay. Time for Jim Sobo's music. All You're right. Ready, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy. We'll see you in a few minutes. This is the first time Jim Sobo's ever done a song on the Helen Coyote Radio Hour. A little nervous. This is a new song. 
how in the world did I end up here with this new perspective that I found? A room with a view and the sky up above and my feet firmly planted on the ground and I send my love to those I've heard along the way may they find some forgiveness in their hearts where I go right now I must go alone looking within is a good place to start looking within is a good place to start wind at my back and the sun on my face navigate these waters and the mighty waves take what this earth has passed down to me and I'll use the wisdom as my company and I'll send my love to those I've heard along the way May they find some forgiveness in their hearts Where I go right now I must go alone Looking within is a good place to start Looking within is a good place to start oh, awesome. <laughs> Jim Sobo ladies and gentlemen your Thank host you so much. Thank you so much all right. Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to squeeze one more in, and then we're going to wrap the show up because I think we're almost running out of time. This is a show. This is a show. This is a song that I don't get to play very often. It sounds political, but it's not. It's really just about um, finding our way through the adversities that we face and finding common ground and realizing that no matter what affiliation, color, creed, religion, race, um, political affiliation that in the end it's all about I hate to sound really 60s but about love and kindness Twentieth century's taking its toll. It bought the farm, sold our soul. Where was pride is now just a whole loss to the vultures. 
a long time ago. All of our anger, all of our shame won't stand up for what's to gain. Lies will fall before what's true. Don't take a miracle, a little love will do. Don't take a miracle, a little love will do. Turn a corner, look at ourselves, we've got a chance. See, hear, and smell the aroma of justice. Taste of what's real. We've got a chance to cut back the peel. Skin of an apple down to its core. Finally found what we're looking for. Lies will fall before what's true. Don't take a miracle, an honest man will do. Don't take a miracle, little kindness will do. Within the walls A sacrifice For what we take We will Pay some kind of What we put out comes back twice. Don't take a miracle, a little love will do. Don't take a miracle, a little love will do. Nice work, Jim Sobo. Jim Sobo, ladies and gentlemen, your your lovely host and curator of the Howling Coyote everything. The Howling Coyote Howling Tour. Howling Coyote everything. <laughs> Howling Coyote Showcase, Howling Coyote, coyote Radio Anything Hour. Anything that's related to a coyote. You patented coyotes, eh? <laughs> I did not. I Ever? did not. There is some great coyote bands and venues out there I have nothing to do with. <laughs> ah. All right, so we are over time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's go ahead and plug the upcoming show. If you like what you've heard tonight, go to um, howlingcoyotetour.com. 
Are you guys going to be promoting the show on your sites anywhere? You guys do? Yep, we'll be doing that. Okay, excellent. We got Facebook. We got website. So we'll be at Mark's Beer Garden, which is run by Mark, one of the few places here in town that is owner-operator, where you can actually see the owner-operator there. Mark is a wonderful man. He smokes great meat and serves some great German brews. And we'll be there on Friday, the 18th of October, between 6 and 9 p.m. Please do come down. Again, if you want to know anything about the Helen Coyote Tour, you can go to www.helencoyotetour.com. And anybody wants to know anything in the world of Margo and Brian, you go to... Margoandbrian.com. M-A-R-G-O and Brian with I. Yes, Margoandbrian.com. We got it all there. Excellent. Your music, there's still so much more I want to talk to about talk to you guys about because those songs I would love to get inside of your minds and find out how you wrote or why you write the music that you do and where you got the influences to write the amazing chords and the amazing I I hear some of your jazz in there, I hear some rock in there, I hear it all and harmonies. That's a whole other ballpark, ladies and gentlemen. To know how to harmonize is not something that comes naturally to everybody. Upper thirds, lower thirds, you know, fifths, God knows. It's it's a skill set in its own, and you guys sing beautiful harmonies. And the melonica, or whatever you want to call it, is a <laughs> sound you just don't get to hear. And I love it. It's Aww. just so twisted and wonderful. It fits in really well with acoustic music, you it know? Does. A little it's, melodic it does. synthesizer. You just don't get to hear it much anymore. It's such a beautiful instrument. So guys, if you liked what you heard, there's so much more to talk about and ask these guys. Come down to the show and ask them yourselves on how they actually write the wonderful music that they do. Thank you for tuning in again to the Howling Coyote Radio Hour. This is Jim Sobo with Margo and Brian. And when is the show? And the show is Friday, October 18th at March Beer Garden between 6 and 9 p.m. here in lovely Prescott, Arizona. Prescott. Good night. Night. Los Vidania. It's not to look, you can see the room without a room, but it's not to see or to know.